three experts in the alternative assets space, those experts being Bradley Kaleha and Dylan Dietrich from Alton Insights and Slava Rubin from Vincent Alternative Assets, join me for a deep dive into the alt world. Now, the dive was so deep and edifying that I had to break it up into a couple of episodes. So welcome back for part two of an alt asset masterclass courtesy of Collect This. Welcome to Collect This, powered by CSG, your go-to sports card grading company. Here's your host, Alan Goldscher. Bradley, let's let's kind of get to the doom and gloom portion of our program. We're recording this as noted uh, at the end of December 2022, uh, so I think we can look back at the year that was and pretty safely say what did not work. Yeah, um, it's been the items that probably aren't as high quality as others that are available on the market and mm-hmm. modern, modern, I guess, assets. It's not even just a matter of um, cards. And that's the easy one, I think, to pick on. And it's also really easy to pick on because they went stratospheric. Like, you know, if you were in the sports cards in the earlier 2000s, like the numbers are still mind blowing. And I, I sometimes have to do that. I have to. You know, it's such a cliche thing to say, but you do have to zoom out to a point. Um, oh, you also have to understand that there are things that were just not uh, sustainable going on. Um, but to see the number of like six figure sales still um, on, on that front is pretty amazing. If you know, if you were looking at sports cards back and or just knowing the things that I used to kind of chase after um, mm-hmm. in like maybe 2013, 2014, and now seeing where those prices are at. Um, you know, wax is a prime example. Uh, boxes as they come out onto the market, um, that's a market. That's an area that's pulled back quite a bit, but still, I mean, it's to drop, you know, to buy, um, a, you know, a case or a box has gotten so extreme. But yeah, I mean, there definitely is on kind of like the doom and gloom side, and there was that in the art market as well. We're even seeing some of like the big solidified names uh, experiencing some pullback in their prices. Uh, the master, like old master style works um there's a couple artists that kind of maintain relevancy but the the auction season wasn't great on that front uh the the super modern side of the market just hasn't developed either uh minus a a few names that we mentioned previously uh contemporary is stable but it's really lifted by those names that you know we've thrown out the warhols kusamas um and, and you know people that everyone has heard of so um, and then, you know, we touched on um, one asset class as well that was great in 2021, great in 2022, up until about two or three months ago, was both the wine and whiskey section. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and that's, again, it's just a matter of, it's like part of the market is just going to have a traditional price correction. Um, champagne and burgundy prices ha- have been... They've been the stratospheric side, as we talked about with some of like the cards. You know, the prices were going crazy. Price growth was uh, reaching levels of just never, we've never seen before. Um, mm-hmm. And then you had areas that have been trailing. I look at like some countries, Italy, um, Tuscany. Prices just weren't keeping pace. Bordeaux has been kind of continuously losing market share. But mm-hmm. now, when you look at the last couple of months, as Burgundy and Champagne are down three and four percent, Bordeaux prices are stable 
Um, and, and so there is like an area where you can look at some of the, um, the markets that haven't maybe kept pace, maybe on the modern side with cards, right? You look at some cards, yeah, the, the Gaudis, the T206s, they weren't keeping pace with the, the Lewis Hamilton or right. even even goats, you know, LeBron or whatever it was that those cards have really pulled back. But now the Gaudis are stable. The T206s are stable. Uh, Bordeaux stable. So there are areas on, on a positive front. But yeah, I, I agree. I think there's a lot of um, there's still we're still in for a lot of correction. Um, and, and in some established areas, I think, you know, again, Burgundy, Champagne, um, the whiskey markets as well, um, even in, you know, the highest end, McAllen and Dalmore and um, Karuzawa, where these things were up 20, 30 percent in 2022. But now they've pulled back four to five percent in the last month and a half, month or two months. So, yeah, definitely a shift towards quality only. Um, and it's just going to continue through 2023. Dylan, taking goats and high end and the best of the best out of the equation, it seems like right now and throughout the latter half of this year, at least, uh, we are happy with stability, right? Stability is a goal <laughs> with any of our, our alternative asset uh, investments. Uh, how do we get to this point? Was there something uh, that buyers did wrong, that sellers did wrong, or is this all driven by the economy? Yeah, I think it's it's there's an abundance of speculation um, across so many different categories over the last two years and an abundance of what I would call tourism, where um, a lot of these asset classes weren't underpinned by long term, um, long term thinking and and kind of um, a long term presence. And when that's not the case, you know, the short term appreciation and the short term increases in, in audiences and in demand. Um, they can vanish just as quickly as they arrived. And mm -hmm. I think that's that's what happened here. And so um, in, in many ways, your point that s stability is desired is that's incredibly valid because I think um, the best thing we can see is is things kind of plug along at more of a status quo after this this reset kind of um, peters out a little bit and let's let's kind of grow some of these categories in a way that's that's sustainable and and less. Um, speculatively driven and, and more focused on kind of long-term trends and, you know, long-term thinking um, because, you know, the, history has, has a way of repeating itself and, and the speculation mm -hmm. that we saw across the last two years is, is not something that's new by, by any stretch. And it, it almost always ends the same way. And I think that's, that's what we're seeing. And that's kind of the cyclical nature of the beast. Slav, I'm going to throw a, a version of the same question at you. The economy, right? Outside of the economy, what happened? Like, is there anything outside of the economy? And, and I guess the, the Dylan's point about the speculation that's kind of uh, pulled back a little bit. Anything else that, that brought us to where we are now? Um, I think both guests have had good points. I, I love the tourism point. Um, I think that you know, you can't fight the Fed. And it was easy, <laughs> it's easy money before, which then led people with COVID to get themselves busy and excited and get into all these different investments, whether it started with Robinhood and then into day trading and move it into collectibles, et cetera. But then you start thinking that you're smart. You start thinking that you, mm. you're so good at this, but what you didn't figure out is actually everybody's really good at this right now because the Fed is helping you. 
and everybody's helping each other get there. But the big mistake I would say is not to think that you are smart, is to go all in in an area and not diversify. See, the important thing is to diversify across these opportunities and across all of this. Um, and when it shakes out, which you know inevitably it will, and it did, is don't have all your eggs in one basket sort of thing. And I think too many folks did have a lot of their eggs in one basket concept. Yeah. And it kind of all went down to from 100% to 11% or some version of that. And then they were really sad and now they're burnt. You know, now mm -hmm. they said the economy mm -hmm. sucks, this all sucks, whatever. You kind of got to look in the mirror and say like, I did this, right? And as Dylan said, this will be a cyclical situation. We'll come back to big hype numbers. There'll be an opportunity to make mistakes or there'll be an opportunity to learn from this, diversify into things that are more stable and boring alongside some, you know, speculative and sexy, which is probably the way it should have been the whole time anyway. Yeah. Um, so hopefully this becomes a learning opportunity. Um, and my suggestion is, um, you know, try to be as diversified as possible, take some risks, but, you know, in a managed way. Economy 101, man, diversity, diversity, diversity. Uh, let's stick with you, Slava. You are the pragmatist, you are the realist, but there was a lot of good stuff that went down in 2022. Things that look good, things that uh, make us all feel optimistic about the future of collecting, investing, et cetera, et cetera. What, from your perch, what, what were you seeing along those lines? I mean, I love the fact that uh, more people have gotten a taste of what it even means to invest into any alternative asset class. Just uh, breaking that you know, entry is amazing because you can then start researching and learning, getting better across all of it. Mm -hmm. You know, a hundred years ago, people didn't have public market exposure. And now people don't even think about their um, retirement funds that are being managed for them, which is great. You know, there's money working for them and they don't need to think about it. I think we should get there an alternative investment perspective as well. As a mm -hmm. secular trend, exposure to alls as part of your wallet, you know, is growing every year, even in this crash. Uh, so that's only going to continue. Uh, I love all the investment, whether it's venture investment and other institutional investment that are going to build up the the knowledge the research the uh the uh, user experience the liquidity across all these asset classes so these are building blocks i'm still very bullish as to where this all heads five years from now ten years from now um so i mean i think it's going to be very boring in a good way to talk about your alternative exposure a decade from now because we'll all have it in a nice diversified way but we'll still talk about our favorite things like, you know, the um, like the Vincent Fund has the original Michael Jordans um, that were created for him, a dual sig, you know, that we're super excited about. Sadly, they're not signed. Sorry, they're not game used, game worn, uh, but they're still one of the whatever dozen pairs that were created, which is just so cool, right? Like comes with the authenticity that was discussed, et cetera, et cetera. Um, or one of my personal favorites, you know, one of the original Batman ones. I'm just such a Batman fan personally mm -hmm. to know that the, this hundred year old piece of paper, you know, like comic uh, book is just like was where the origin story all came from and where these movies all came from. Like, that's just fun. And we'll get to talk about it like that. But, um, you know, I think we also have to think about it from a pragmatic perspective that we're on the way to having these diversified portfolios and the industry is moving in that direction, which is great. Dylan, uh, if our resident pragmatist does have a whole lot of optimism 
about what we saw and what we could see. Um, what are you seeing? Because you're 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 a sunny dude. You're a positive dude. What <laughs> what looked good last year and what might look good next year? Yeah, I think I mean the the silver lining from 2022 is that it was a massive year for learning and for for really mm. understanding the risks involved with so many of these asset classes. Good point. Um, and the reality that not everything does just go up all the time and you know there's a chance when when you're in arenas that that are speculative where there aren't you know underlying cash flows that that give you a greater degree of confidence around an investment's you know um, future outlook there is a chance a real chance that things can go maybe not to zero although that's that's certainly possible possible but you can lose you know the majority of your cost basis like that was a, a very real lesson that a lot of people learned last year. And I think it, it really um, it provides a foundation for better decision-making in 2023, um, mm-hmm. for more reasonable expectations, for a longer-term time horizon, for you know, an appetite to diversify in ways that make sense. Um, the other thing was you know, um, when things kind of hit the fan in 2022, correlations suddenly were very high across a lot of different asset categories right. where historically you know that w- that wasn't the case and that was kind of like a selling point for a lot of asset classes is, you know low correlation to equities um, but when things hit the fan everything kind of went south and so that was a learning opportunity to think like how diversified really am i or am i just all in risk assets that are going to behave pretty similarly if things go go wrong so i think the exciting thing is a lot of people um, have gained a ton of really valuable experience to to be thinking, you know, um, thinking differently in 2023 and beyond. And I think, you know, smarter markets are more efficient markets, and and that tends to to benefit everybody in the long run. So uh, excited to see, you know, how people put those those lessons to to use in in the years ahead. I love your point about education. Um, the, this is a space that you cannot learn enough right? That's why Alton and Vincent are so important to uh, alternative uh, investors. Uh, Bradley, what do you think? What looked good in 2022 to you? Obviously, the, the high end. And I also look at the numbers that go. One example is um, the audience crowd at auctions in general um, is the youngest it's been. And that is, I think, really promising on the luxury side. I know the Wall Street Journal just did a piece where Christie's and Sotheby's are reporting uh, their highest percentages of um, auction participants under the age of 35. Um, looking at uh, the markets over in Europe and England, um, they're seeing the same trends continuing where you have this growing um, people, a growing percentage of participants at auction that are chasing their luxury items, whether it's things from Rolex to Hermes and handbags to even if they're art um, auctions on the contemporary side. And then uh, Christie's is expanding in Hong Kong. Um, some of their auction fronts, you know, Sotheby's has done some work over there as well. And that I think is very promising to see kind of the international markets continuing to remain strong. And these are all of these areas have their their challenges uh, outside of the United States. Even obviously um, in, in Hong Kong, they've had some of the you know the strife with China, and but they're markets have been pretty relentless. They just continue to attract a uh, new audience. They continue to bring in new buyers. I think auction totals overall in the year in some 
some categories and some markets are going to be down a bit, but there's a lot to be, um, you know, I, I think, really impressed with, especially as the buyer pool continues to get younger. Uh, there, there's people involved. A lot that's driving the whiskey markets is still kind of Asia, um, China, Japan, Korea. So it, it's promising to see as that continues to gain steam in the United States. Same with wine. So uh, I would look to obviously the sales were there were some breakout sales that mm-hmm. kind of covered up some of the problems in the overall the broader markets. But uh, when you look at the participation is still as high as it's ever been. Uh, the number of bidders in a lot of these auctions is still um, increasing and rising. But more importantly, uh, you have people you know under the age of 35, 40 that have disposable income that they're still looking to put into. And these are physical. I think that there's room for the funds and there's also you know obviously with the fractional type platforms but they're still putting money into some of the physical items as well and while that can be speculative you need that side of the market to exist so it's good to see that it's still hanging around Bradley, you were on the show a couple of weeks ago uh, and you gave me some bold predictions about what you might see in 2023. Uh, remind listeners what that bold prediction was. And do you have any other ones up your sleeve? Yeah, so that was all sports based. Um, and I went with, I think we're going to have a sports memorabilia sale that passes up sports cards again. So obviously we had the 1952 Tops Mantle, uh, 12.6 which you know exceeded a couple sales that we had um breakout sales the maradona jersey the michael jordan uh jersey and then you know now i I don't know what that item will be it has to be something great it's going to be from you know a ruth or a jordan or Mm -hmm, some mm -hmm. some name mantle maybe mantle might be a stretch um on a memorabilia side but uh, somebody i don't you know i I don't know, but something, you know, 13, 14, 15 million, um, I can see come to auction. I know there's some, you know, really incredible collections out there. Um, it would love to see that, that breakout sale, um, come and then away from sports. Um, I'm really bullish on art at auction, but actually the photography side of art. So heading into this year, um, you know, I think photography had never really been that kind of breakout category on the art front, but it's really being appreciated more and more as a center display piece. Um, there were two sales, um, a photograph taken by Man Ray that went for over $12 million in the spring, and then the flat iron, which is a photograph building in New York City um, from Ed Striken that went for a, a little over 11, just under 12 in, um, as well. And both of those sales basically doubled what had been the previous record heading into this year for photographs. Mm -hmm. Um, And these photographs, you know, they're art pieces. They they really are. And I've been kind of beating the photograph jump for a little bit. And I just saw, I believe it was Christie's put out an article basically saying like their photography demand is the highest it's ever been. It's off the charts and that they're, that's actually the side of their market that they're most uh, bullish on basically heading into 2023 on their art front. Um, so I'm going to continue to say, I think we get like something big, I think 20 million, we start to see photography really emerge as uh, a huge asset class and also on the sports side. And I'll just wrap up with that. There's some incredible sports photography, um, out there as well. We've seen, you know, the yep. Ruth bows out photo, 
Um, Golden Age Auctions just um, had a huge sale on a, a Masters photo from the 1934 Masters. Um, so I think you know, we're going to just see that end um, of the market grow as well. So I look for photography to have a breakout 2023 as it continues to be viewed more and more as art by the collector and investor class. Uh, I like your point about the um, super duper duper mega high end jerseys. Uh, people don't, I don't know, I wish I had the exact number in front of me. I think there are only something like 80 game worn Michael Jordan jerseys out in the world right now, right? So that could be one of these massive high end sales. Slava, uh, what are you looking at in 2023? What are you gonna? What's gonna happen that when you come back on the show next December nineteenth, all our minds are gonna be blown because you nailed it. I mean, I don't know about any one thing, but I can give you like <laughs> a, a list. I, I think Bring I mentioned on. A bunch of them already, which is I think very rare hard assets are gonna continue to do well, which I think is gonna surprise a lot of people because the opposite, those liquid assets are gonna really struggle, and that's what most of the media will talk about. Um, I think pre-IPO markets are going to thaw in H2 in the second half of the year. I think uh, my opinion is the stock market will do surprisingly well towards the end of next year uh, mm -hmm. because it looks so bad right now. So IPO markets will open up in new multiples. Um, I think private credit, like we mentioned, and debt instruments will have a whole new fan base that never even knew those words before. Um, it's kind of going to be the asset class du jour for the year which I think is a little bit of a hot take. I do think there's gonna be consolidation in the industry that we're talking about, uh, collectibles, um, um, what's called it, alts, all that stuff. I, I think that um, not everybody's gonna be able to survive and they're gonna to need to get a little bit of scale. So I think you'll see that in the next 365 days. I think uh, crypto is gonna be choppy for sure, but there's gonna be a lot of uh, compliance and regulatory discussions that happen which are going to be painful, but I think actually quite positive. It's going to be very similar to what happened in the ICO times uh, in the crypto landscape in around 2017, which that kind of uh, putting their foot down helped create the bull market that we see, what we do, did see in crypto. Uh, so yeah, a lot more regulation there. Um, I think NFT will probably become the most forgotten word, but, <laughs> but, but, uh, there'll still be more uh, investment and in infrastructure building that happens in NFTs. So I think there'll be some sort of surprise that happens in the NFC, NFT space from an investment perspective by the end of 23. And uh, real estate, I think we'll have a tough year. But like I mentioned, there'll be an opportunity for institutional to really pick off some, some great uh, investments at good prices for the years to come. And I do think that the everyday investor will get more options and better options as to how to navigate all of these investments, which I think might be, again, one of the big wins by the end of next year. So Slava is page, uh, preaching patience. And uh, I like your point about uh, oversight is a positive thing. People get a little nervous when there's digging going on. But in my experience, in a variety of different sports spaces, uh, when someone is there making sure things are pretty, th things get pretty. So good well, stuff. One of the things uh, I, I like to say about sports cards, about why it's such a good asset, is it's had the most scandal and the most cheating. Ah. But because it's gone through so much of it, they've been able to really like sharpen the edges to figure out what is fraud, what is authentic, what mm -hmm. is. And uh, the newer the asset class, i.e., NFT, or even let's call it um, a watch, whatever, um, you know, the newer the asset class, the more opportunity there is to have some big scandal that hasn't happened yet. 
Yeah. So that's what I'm talking about when I talk about, you know, the crypto issues, right? The fact that we had this FTX issue. I mean, it's a young industry, right? Just like about a decade old. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that having all like, because the card industry has seen every scandal possible, you know, in the last hundred years, whatever. Yep. That's not to yep. say there won't be more scandals, but, you know, they're pretty good at uh, sussing it out, which I think is very good. Well, th- not to toot our own horn over at CSG, but I have been to the CSG grading room and there, I think we have 19 graders, all of whom are obsessed with finding fakes. Nothing makes them, I don't want to say happier, but they care, right? They care about it. So if a fake comes down the line, they want to know about it and they want all of uh, all of the collectors out there to know about it. Dylan, take us home, my man. My bold prediction is relative boredom. Um, we have <laughs> just um, some of the craziest years in our rear view that I think you can you can possibly imagine. And while I do think things are going to be pretty economically choppy, particularly in the first few quarters of the year, um, I think people are increasingly coming to grips with that, as we've seen in the way a lot of markets have behaved to close out 2022. Um, I think blue chip assets do continue to perform well, although I think the the pace of record breaking slows a bit in 2023. Um, Probably still see a few, but I don't think um, it's going to be kind of the parade that we've become accustomed to. Mm -hmm. Uh, Trophy assets are still trophy assets, but uh, I think, you know, demand and, and prices can only accelerate so much in such a short period of time when other markets are kind of, um, stuttering and stumbling around them. So uh, I think it's going to be relatively uneventful compared to 2020, 2021, and 2022. And um, that might be just what the doctor ordered to give people more time to kind of um, reassess and and think about what steps they want to take. Because that's time isn't necessarily something people felt like they've had over the past few years. Uh, Markets have been very fast moving in both directions. Um, And so the opportunity opportunity to to gain more discipline um might might be a good thing so yeah i'm going with with boredom in 2023 and uh hoping hoping that turns out to to be the case in in, in the best way cautious optimism and patience dylan dietrich slava rubin bradley kaleha check out alton insights check out vincent alternative assets you will learn stuff uh and thanks guys this was really interesting and edifying thanks alan Whether it's a 1986 Michael Jordan Fleer rookie card, a Tom Brady Playoff Contenders rookie card from 2000, or, I don't know, a Marv Throneberry card that came out of a post cereal box in 1963, and yes, that's a thing. Certified Sports Guarantee will grade your sports cards quickly and accurately. A subsidiary of Certified Collectibles Group, CSG graded over 1 million cards in its first year plus on the sports collecting scene, the fastest any grading company has hit that mark. The speedy turnaround times provided by the knowledgeable, passionate team of expert sports car graders will make your CSG experience smooth, efficient, and most importantly, fair. Regardless of the athlete, the sport, or the condition of your card, CSG will treat it with the love and respect it deserves. For more information about CSG, visit csgcards.com. That's CSG, your go-to sports card grading company. We hope you enjoyed Collect This, powered by CSG. Collect This was hosted, written, produced, engineered, and scored by Alan Goldscher. If you have any comments or questions, please email us at collectthis at csgcards.com. 